Hi, I'm Vicky Roach, and I'm a UN woman living on UN country, southeast coast. I'm a survivor of the stolen generations, and I've spent many years in the prison system. And I'm Kutcher Edwards. My mobs are Mutty Mutty, Yorta Yorta, Yitta Yitta, Nari Nari. I too am a survivor of the stolen generations. I'm a singer songwriter, a broadcaster, and one of the founders of Beyond the Bars Prison Radio Broadcasts. Hey, Vicky, do you know what this series is about? Oh, we're doing a series. You better tell me what it's called then. 20 Years on the Inside. Hmm. Yeah, I probably did around that long all up. Yeah, me too. In children's homes and other institutions. Let's face it, this whole country is a prison of sorts for blackfellas, dating right back to invasion. This series reflects on 20 years of listening to our mobs on the inside as part of the Beyond the Bars prison broadcast. We'd both like to acknowledge you, the custodians of all the traditional lands where individuals are tuning in today. And just a warning, this series features the voices of family, friends and relatives that have now passed, as well as strong content and themes including experiences of racism, violence, child abuse and drug and alcohol references. Today's episode is about the unfinished business of drug addiction and how prisons prolong the pain. It's also about the clarity and strength that kids can bring when you're doing time and the importance of cultural obligation and your personal responsibility to community. Getting to funerals when you're doing time is a big deal. And over the years, there's been a lot of talk about the anguish and heartache associated with trying to get to a loved one's funeral. Oh, I remember seeing one case. We're, we're trying to get this woman up. She'd lost her second family member or third in, you know, just a few months and like close family members. And uh, it was just a little over the border and they didn't want to let her go because she'd already been to two. Didn't want to let her go because it was over the border. You know, it was, it was just... They, you know, as quick as, as soon as we could come up with, you know, a million reasons why she should go, they'd come up with something where she couldn't. She ended up going, but um, yeah, it, it can't be like that. And it, it, it can't be that you have to beg to fulfill your cultural obligations because it, it is an obligation to, to be at a, at a family member's funeral at their ceremony. It's, you know, you're obliged to travel from wherever you are to, to get there. And and I, I think it's disrespectful that they have screws there in uniform and they have you handcuffed. Then that's one of the hardest things to deal with in here. It's, um, you know, the passing of community members and family. It's, um, uh, for a start, we know, need to get the notice in here on time. And, yep. you know, you feel bad in yourself that you can't attend, uh, particularly an example in our family, you know, one of our sisters passed away about three or four weeks ago, um, funeral was down at Warrnambool and out the Fram. Um, for me to attend that I would have, 
you know, naturally be granted to go in the first place. I would have had to be transported down to Port Phillip for a couple of days before the funeral, go to the funeral, then come back to Port Phillip, and then come back to Fulham. So you probably, you could be talking up to Two eight days. or ten days, yeah. you know, in a place where you're already starting to feel a little bit comfortable. That's the problems we have, you know, in the prison system, particularly if you're a long way away from home. And I know other blokes have had the same experience when they've had to travel home to Mildura. It's not real good. Um, and you do tend to think a lot. Um, average day for us, we're, we're locked down in our cells for 12 hours a day. Um, so you've got 12 hours of thinking, not being able to talk to anyone. You know, if you are feeling down, it's very hard to... You've just got to try and get yourself out of it overnight. That's where our, our protocols must be given priority, I reckon. They, they must be. And, and according to the Royal Commission, they should be. That was one of the recommendations. But it's, you know, as we know, they're um, acted upon and very few have been legislated. Because sorry business isn't predicted. No. Or predictable. You can't predict it. No. And, and there's no place to grieve in jail. There's no, um, okay, so you get locked down in your cell. There, there's, no, there's no space to grieve. There's no place to grieve. There's no um, time to grieve. You have to keep rolling along with the prison machinery um, despite your grief. So you internalise your grief. It's all you can do. They wouldn't let me go to the funeral, right? And uh, what does that so, do, guys? What does that do when you well, you knock back for funeral? Oh, is it explainable? Yeah, that's you know, well, like, when, I went in, when I went in the cell that night. Mm. You know, I, I I had a cry for Auntie Mary, but I mm. set my spirit there. You know what I mean, Unc? Mm. <clears throat> like, yeah, my, my spirit was there. I, I physically couldn't be there, but I set my spirit there. You uh, got to try and keep your emotions together because. You can't be, like, in places like this, you've sort of got to be hard. You can't be seen to you be You've got to be weak. hard on yourself, are you saying? Oh, you've got to be seen to be tough around other prisoners because they see that it's a vul- that's a weakness. Mm. So you, when you show your emotions, that's sort of, like El said, that's in your cell. You don't, like, if you've been told you're going to, can't go to a funeral, sorry, you, like, you're not, you wouldn't, like, show too much emotions because it sort of gives, like, prison officers, like, ammunition to sort of get you to, like, snap. Yeah. And then you've got other prisoners that's, that's, their, that's, their, that's their, like, ticket in to get you. That's in, right. In a way, you know what I mean? So, yeah. so we just go in, in our cell, lock the door, and then at night, then we think about our loved ones and we cry. And, like, I've got photos of my children there and I look at them mm. and just absolutely just cry my heart out, you know what I mean? Mm. And, you know, and it's just so hard because... Yeah, like about twenty minutes ago, I was talking to him, laughing, having fun. And but then when I go in my cell, it's locking time, <clears> and I'm sitting there thinking, I wonder what they be doing now, you know? And I, and I just cry for him, you know, mate. You know, yeah. It, it, when you're in your cell at night by yourself, that's that's where you, you, it's a good yeah, it's a yeah, good time too yeah, because you get time to yourself because it's, it's and a very pretty hectic place. Like if the only time you got time to yourself is in the cell because. 
you're in a little place probably, I don't know, six or seven times this size with 70 prisoners all mm. getting around. So it's good to get that little time, like, to Away. yourself. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Sometimes you really look forward to that because, I don't know, it's been a hard day. You've had a couple stressful phone calls or... Yeah, mm, You know what I mean? And, and, you, and you, you, you sort of... You need that time, you know what I mean? What does... Um, what does programs and stuff such as this what is that yeah. programs for us is is, is our gathering place hunk yeah. right um this is yeah. where we can all come together yeah. and hey you going buzz and, and, and yeah. the energy when you walk in the room you, you get goosebumps yeah. and you, mm. you know what i mean yeah. because i can feel everyone's energy and everyone's personalities and and it, it's all our spirit you know yeah. mm. you heard mm. you know you listen to you, you yeah. felt, feel we're not just another number in here you, you feel, know you feel like and you, basically you, yeah. we can you know, give each other a hug to draw strength mm. from each other because most of the time we have to communicate through fences and that. Mm. You know, and by doing these programs, you know, we can put our arms around each other and you know, Cattle each feel other. the love for each other that we've got. Yeah. That's mm. right. Put it this way, like, I know it's not good to be um, sorry, handcuffed when you attend to a funeral, but I... I prefer to be handcuffed than be allowed to go to the funeral, because like all of us in here have had been knocked back for funerals. You know, like I remember a while ago, I got knocked back from my nans. You know, and that's you know, when it's your grandmother, that's the giver of life. You know, something. Yeah. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, last time. And there was no real reason given. You know what I mean? Like I know given a reason doesn't really make it any easier, but at least you sort of you you know why. You know what I mean? They're not knowing. There was two of us that were from that particular prison weren't allowed to go. You know what I mean? It was both for our grandmother, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then that makes you get that upset, you know what I mean, and dirty. Then within three months, I was back, I was in the slot, you know? And then they say to me when I go to governor's school, oh, what makes you do this way? And I think to myself, hang on a minute, you know? Three months ago, I tried to attend my grandmother's funeral and give her no, no reason why. And now you wanna, you know what I mean? Like, put me in a point where I rebelled, you know? I started marking up, you know, maybe, you know, using drugs in prison or something. That's why I went to the slot, you know? Yeah. It was to, to grieve, because I didn't, couldn't go to the funeral, so I couldn't grieve, you know? Attending the funeral, it starts the grieving process. And when yeah. you don't go, it makes it a little bit harder, I suppose, you know? They want revenge on, on the perpetrators. Yep. Yep. They, don't, they don't look further that they are the perpetrators of, of what they have done to us. Theft of children, theft of country, theft of culture, theft of language. That's, what, that's why people don't like me conversating because in conversations that I have, every conversation turns around to politics and people say, yeah, but we're not talking about politics. And then I've got to sort of say, well, I can't not think of what could be if you fuckers weren't here. I, I think it's you I attribute that a quote to um, being born Aboriginal as a political yeah. act. Yeah, yeah. You and myself, Vicky, were born before 67. So to, for them to decide whether we were citizens in our own lands is, is hypocrisy at its highest. When they, and I don't, you know, the system or non-Indigenous Australia, but not all of them, 
what they fail to recognise is the fact that because they're not Aboriginal, they can't think Aboriginal. So no. Don't, so don't think on our behalf. Well, they they don't. They 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 always think they know best. They don't think on our behalf. They they think for them and what they think will be best for us. You know, look, we're too stupid but, to know but, ourselves. But they're, think, but they're thinking on behalf of a system. They can't make programs for us. They can't make no, rules no, for no, us. No, but that's what they have tried to do. That's why I hate all these drug courts and quarry courts. And If you were to walk out the door, the Savo and punch an old lady in the head. And you go to Corey Court and say, "Yeah, I did it. Okay, all right, yeah." Because you got to, you got to, you got to. What do you call that? Uh, you got to plead guilty. Plead guilty to the yeah. fact, and then one of your aunties will sit on the thing and say, "Vicky, I told you, my niecey girl, get off that grog. That's doing you no good." Yep. Well, personally, I think it's a lot of bullshit because in the end, you get sentenced by a fucking judge anyway. Hmm. And all you're doing is adding to your misery by by being shamed and hurt by your own people. Mm. You know, that's just a little slap on the ass on the way through. But you're still getting sentenced. Like, they've, they've actually got no say in your sentencing. Mm. You know, they can say stuff, but in the end, it's the white judge that goes bang, you know. When you hear your... Miss Roach, you're, you're getting out in five days, so your spirits are up, and you're you're, you're skipping. You know, I'm using analogies. You're skipping along the path, and and you're whistling, and you're excited. And how much money you got in the bank? What's a gram cost these days? So does that where your mind goes? Yep. Do you know why? Um, because it's unfinished business. Okay. <laughs> you know you. Well, for most people who are using, it's, yeah. you know, you haven't finished. Using, well, heroin, I can only speak for heroin, mm. as, as something that you do and you do it until you don't feel like doing it anymore. Being young and uh, independent too, see, look, um, I had a... Uh, I had a house when I got out of jail last time, yeah, yeah. and um, then I, I was by myself because me missus left me, right? So I didn't have my kids, and um, so I was doing what I was doing, and um, yeah, then I then I finally got my kids custody, right, to come mm. with me, and while I had them, the stuff I'd done while I was by myself come back and caught up with me, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, and so and uh, um. The kids like really loved it with me, you know what I mean, and and uh, I ended up back in here, and now you know they, every time I talk on the phone, when they're coming home, and just just last night I said to my mum, and it, it, it broke my heart. I said, um, yeah, next time I get out, I'm gonna come back in, mm. and my kid got excited and called out to his sister. He goes, guess what? He goes, oh, dad said he's not gonna go back to jail, you know what I mean, and yeah. you know what I mean, and it broke my heart like. At, at they're five and four, and um, they're thinking already that I'm in and out, in and out, you know what I mean? Mm. And it broke my heart, you know. So this time when I get out, I'm gonna hope, um, you know, things are gonna go better. 
I, I, I came to jail and I was still, um, how could I put it, doing drugs. Mm. And um, then I thought, hang on, I got parole, so I, I stopped doing everything. I'm on a methadone program now. Mm. And um, since then, I've never, you know, all my urines are clean, like, you know, I've come good. Mm. And I'm thinking, when I get out, well, if I can do that for, for, for these fellas in here, yeah. I have to do it for my children. He's saying, my children mean more to me than anything. And then, on the other hand... You'll go and have a ping, yeah. Because I'm, I'm being the devil's advocate. How, do, how does that happen? Why does it happen? Well, it's because it's you think that one or two won't hurt and it's, it's catching up with mates, it's social, sociable, it's um, connecting with that old family again and, and basically, you know, they're, they're still your, your community. Mm. Um. But aren't they on the merry-go-round too, Vic? Aren't they in search of that miracle enlightenment? Yeah, of course, everybody is. Mm. And and like all all the women in jail are the are the same, you know, like they're they're perfect mothers and housekeepers, and you know the way they talk, they'd never touch drugs in front of their kids, mm. you know, in their lives, but um some of them you know on the outside and you know exactly how they live, how they how they do things. And it's not it's not because they don't mean what they say, you know, before they get out. You know, I'm never mm. touching drugs, you know, I'm not gonna do it in front of my kids. I'm not gonna do it around my kids. Um so you wait till the kids are at school or, you know, something like that. It's um like I said, it's unfinished business. You know, like if if there was, you pulled off the street and, and you've, you've got a habit. They may come down hard. Um, that's not a treatment. That's not a, um, it's not anything. That's just punishment, further punishment. And it's, it's okay. Well, I've had to stop this. I've been forced to. Mm. Um, it wasn't my choice. Maybe I'm just putting my own thinking into this, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's all we can really do, you know. Yeah, that's what it was for me, and that was one of the first things I did. Um, but I didn't like it anymore, <laughs> mm. which was kind of handy. Does the thought of repercussions enter your spirit when you know you're in the twos and throngs? No. No. Can you no. tell me why? Um, I don't like Mondays. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think it's just, it's a different world, you know. The, you're caught, a, yeah, yeah, you know. Uh, uh, There's no repercussions. Well, there is, but mm. you you know what the repercussions are. You protect yourself as much as you can against them, and um, do what you got to do. Even if it jeopardizes your freedom. Even if it jeopardizes your freedom.
listening to 20 Years on the Inside, reflecting on 20 years of Beyond the Bars, a unique live prison broadcast series coordinated by 3CR Community Radio in Nam, Melbourne, on the lands now called Australia. Well, I've got a drug habit to deal with, you know, like... Okay, so you go to jail and, and you get rid of your drug habit, you hang out. Um, but that's not the same as getting rid of your drug habit. That's just, you know, taking the drug out of the equation. You haven't got it anymore, you know. Um, it, doesn't, it doesn't help you with the need for it or the want for it or the, the reason why you had the need and the want for it. Um, and none of those things are addressed. So you, you leave with this unfinished business. You know, you, you've got a half-finished drug habit, you know, that, that hasn't seen its, hasn't run its course yet. And can, I, can I ask you a really personal question, if it yep. may be? Yeah. When you're in the twos and throws of what it is you're doing, are you thinking about your Aboriginality at that time? No. Because the drug overpowers that. Correct? Um, or, or it's a question, it's not a statement. It's, it's not so much that it overpowers it, it's just not even there. It's not relevant. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. What about what about when you're after I've done it? Yeah, you know I I feel bad. Yeah, you know, I I feel guilt. I I feel culturally weak. Yeah, um, I feel shit because it's been shit, and it usually you know, just makes you feel shit. Mm. Um, yeah, and I'm always sorry that I've that I've done it. Okay. And um, which is fortunate. Mm. Other, otherwise, I could have just you know, flown straight back into that again. But mm. um, I didn't really want to anyway. I was I was kind of digging the academic life and doing all that, mm. working at the trust. And but then there was um, there was one time I remember I'd been to this big flash dinner. It was a ball. And after it was all over and everyone went home, I'm dressed in all my finery and half pissed on fucking mum champagne. Half pissed. <laughs> it was free. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing uh, better than, than free grog, eh? <laughs> yeah. So I've, I've wound up in, uh, where do you go to get on? Fitzroy. And um, also the bourgeoisie. Within the justice system. Yeah, well, they were all judges and lawyers and, you know, like the judge that sentenced me was there. Oh, my God. Yeah, and, like, I was being lauded. I was being, you know, everyone was telling me how wonderful I was. And mm. You all right? You okay? Yeah, so, so I went and had a shot in the gutter in the back streets of... Fitzroy or wherever, um, 
with a little sister girl. Mm. What you doing, Annie? Annie is scoring this time of the night. Mm. And she she went and got it and stayed with me and so it's that dichotomy, that that balance of that's what I'm talking about, the balance of spirit and how you control that. And you thought to yourself, have I sold out? I'm I'm dancing with the fucker who fucking sentenced me. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That's that it's that it's that spirit, uh, Vic. A, a bit of that. Mm. And yeah. then so your spirit your spirit your spirit must have been saying, Well, dancing with the devil and then your spirit said Go go down this. go dance with the devil you know. Well, I didn't want to say it, Rick. Yeah, I don't tell many people about that one. That was a, mm. um, you know, and I could just as easily have been robbed or anything because I'm all dressed up, you know. Yeah, you you walk in with your person, your beautiful dress, and you want to fit in, but that's the system. That's the that's that's the people who've done what they've done to us. And, and uh, nine to fivers, I don't like saying it. The ladder climbers are sometimes it's the, at a, the detriment of the grassroots. And, and they were telling me how wonderful I was. That's 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 the sadness in it all, Vic. And that's why we need we need to inform them with shows, you know, these sort of. This information. I've missed heaps, you know. Like when I come to jail, she was only just saying mum and dad. I finally got hold of her there about two months ago and she mm. had a full conversation with me, you know. So brought me to tears, that did, you know. Oh, it shatters me that I'm missing life for her. Because when I was younger and that and coming to jail, it didn't bother me, you know, like, because it's only me. But um, when I got arrested and going for court, my, mm. my ex-partner, she was pregnant. She had a miscarriage because of the stress. And then, mm. then with this baby, she found it hard. DHS stepped in and took took the baby off her because she couldn't handle it. And mm. so it's um, it's a damage that you do to your kids. You know what I mean? So yeah, I just miss her, you know. Uh, and it's the small things, you know. It's like I miss her yelling and. And not go on a bed, you know. When you, you know, when you put them down, when it's and, time. Yeah, yeah, you know. And you put them down, and you go out, and then they're screaming. You, you come back, and you know, and they're standing up, and they're caught, and that, you know. And it's the little things like that, and turning around, and you're falling over them because they're right behind you, and that, you know. Mm. But, uh, hopefully, I'll get it, catch up on it, you know. So that's mm. everything to me, you know. They're just they're so precious and so innocent, you know what I mean? Mm. And yeah. Just I'll just I miss waking up and hearing her, you know what I mean? Or you be in one room and they're giggling and that, you know, in, in another room and you can hear them and that, you know, and and just seeing their face when you come home and they're all surprised and happy and just little things like that, you know. Mm. Yeah. So from going just dad, you know, and then she's like, oh, where are you? When are you coming home? You know, I was <laughs> yeah. like, oh, I'm getting in trouble too from her now, you know. So it was good, but. And then, I think after that, you sort of start wondering, is it all worth it? And the playing up, the drinking, the drugs, and 
it's just it's not worth it when you're missing out on times with them, you know. So mm. kids really bought life in general, made me change, you know. So and mm. and doing these big, bigger sentences, you know, like see blokes coming in for like a couple of months and then going home, they don't really understand what jail really is. It's when you're doing years away from your family and and being so far away. Well, Majora's five and a half hours one way. So all up, they've got to do like an 11, 12-hour trip for an hour visit, two-hour visit. So it's a lot of strain and money on the family, you mm. know what I mean? So, mm. and yeah, I'm going to try and be good there and stay home. Uh, yeah, I've got six all up, you mm. know, and before this one, I've done a two-year stretch, you know, and then the, the couple of, there was a six-month one, 12-month one. So all up, it's nearly 10 years out of my life, you know. But no, I don't want to be there for my kids. Like, I remember this time she was learning to walk and she fell over and scun her knee. But when I picked her up and told her it was all right, that was good, you know, but I'm not there to pick her up no more. You know what I mean? So that, that hurt her, you know. It's time to be there for them. When my kids got taken off me, I was locked up. Um, they was in my mum's care. They got taken off my mum. But... Um, yeah, they don't really help you to get your kids back. They say, yeah, we won't, you know what I mean? They, we want you to um, get your kids back and stuff like that. But with me, um, I can't see my, um, I only see my four kids once a month. DeAndre, I have, um, I was seeing him once a week, but because I've been in here, I can't see him at all. But they've got a um, custody order on my four kids and, DeAndre's only on an interim accommodation order, trying to get him back when I get out, trying to do rehab and everything so I can get him back, and then I have to focus on my four kids. They say that they want, you know, Aboriginal kids with um, Indigenous um, people, um, carers and that, but every time I pick, like, one of my families to look after my um, kids, they always say that they're not acceptable or things like this. They're telling me that um, my kids um, have a curry teacher or something like that come in and teach them about their culture and all this. My kids was um, placed in the care in um, Lee and Gatha. One, um, one access I had with my kids, it was around about Christmas time last year. Shanique and Tyreek, it was at the pool in Morwell. Shanique and Tyreek, um, Tyreek had a lump on his head. I um, asked him what happened. He said that the carers hit him with a um, stick, wooden spoon thing for riding his scooter around. And they say, you know what I mean, like um, the reason why kids get taken off us is because, you know, we abuse them, smack them off, stuff like that, you know what I mean? Mm. But when I found out that the carers was assaulting my kids and I wanted them charged but the DHS worker says nah we're working on that and this and that so I've got a I'm not allowed to know the carer's name but I've got to um, find out I've got to go to the police station and take it all ahead myself even though I don't know the carer's names and stuff like that and then my kids was moved from that placement to another placement and yeah being moved around here there when I had my kids in my care, because I had my kids ever since, my oldest was 
six and when she got taken off me, that's when I turned to the drugs and everything, the whole four of them. To numb, I was, to numb um, the pain, eh? Yeah, because yeah. I was constantly, you know, I had that routine, send my two oldest kids to school and I had the two babies home with me. And then, you know, when they got taken off me, I had nothing to do. Mm. And, you know, I'd, when I was in jail, the last sentence... Um, DHS wanted me to do this, do that and do that, you know what I mean? I'd done it all, but when I got out, I still had to do it over and over again and because mm. they change workers, I have to do it over and over again, urines and everything. And then it's just like a repeating thing, you know what I mean? And it brings you down more. It doesn't help you when mm. you have to do it over and over and over and over. I want my kids back. Um, mm. Can't stand DHS. I wish they wasn't in, you know involved. What I mean? yeah. involved. It's not right for them to come in and take kids away from their parents. That's that thing I was talking about before, Vic, you know, is that um, the system looks at us as the perpetrators of... We're a problem to be solved, fixed. We have to be fixed. Mm. And how do we... It's hard to even conversate about it, you know. When we don't want to be fixed, we become um, non-compliant. And if there's anything the system hates, it's non-compliance. And compliance simply means submission. Mm. And I keep referring back to the system as being a domestic uh, or you know, uh, an abusive partner. Mm. And that's another way in which it is an abusive partner. And if you made some silly decision 20 years ago and got yourself sent to jail, um, you'll still be tied with that brush till the day you die. Mm. Now, I know Doc Week to me just, just means... Because over the years, because I've got me in my 40s now, but over the years, it just makes you realise how far we've come. And uh, the message of assimilation back in the day was like, you know, assimilation means to be absorbed by the, the imposing society. And like, if anything, we've risen up against it, and that's what NADOC Week means to me. Like, our, our culture still survives, you know. It's in our blood, you know. It's in our kids. It's it's in the it's in the ground we walk on. To me, that's what what dreaming means. And so it doesn't matter how you try to get taken away from something, or how much something's obviously beaten out of you, or stolen generation, or racism, and all that sort of stuff. Like the unity's in in our culture. It's in our blood, you know. There's been a a thousand times I've been in different towns and just seen another Koori person or another Aboriginal person across the street and nodded and waved, and it's the connection, you know. But, you know, you know where you are. And I, I think, especially NAILOC Week, it's about unity and strength and just survival, you know. And then you go past that message of all that and you realise that the imposing culture or, or country, they try to take that out of you. But you look around the room here and even outside, you know, there's, there's strength in each and every one of us. There's strength to walk, walk forward past that, but not just survive, but to live. And I think that that's the most important thing that 
we carry forward from ourselves. You know, like, a lot of the boys mentioned about being in jail. What you do really isn't who you are. You know, it's how you love your family. It's how you care about your cousins. And it's how you care about your people. That's what that's what this is about for me. We all share that same history of, you know, deprivation of just to go inside a, a town that's been created. You know, what were they call back in the day, fringe dwellers. You know, weren't allowed in towns and all that sort of stuff. Now we're in the towns. We're playing football. And we're the best footballers in the clubs. I don't really want to rise and join them on or rise above them. I just think that being the way we are, doesn't matter what's in our pocket, just matters what's in our hearts. That's how we rise above them. Don't hold up against them because they just don't know. So I just think that I could look around and I play, we play footy in here. Like even in here we're the best footballers in the show, <laughs> 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 that's, that's what, that's what Nadok and just being black means to me. Just, just unity, strength and the ability to rise above any challenge. Unity, strength and survival. Such wise words. And it just shows the resilience of our people. In our next episode, we'll explore in more depth the importance of culture, of dreaming and of creative expression. On today's episode, you heard from Clarky, Fuddy Jr, Al Boy, James, Kathleen and Poss in prisons across Victoria, as well as Beyond the Bars broadcasters Gillan McGuinness, Ross Morgan and Cheryl Lee Hood. So thanks for listening to this episode of 20 Years on the Inside. The podcast series was produced by 3CR Community Radio in Nam, Melbourne, on the lands now called Australia with the financial support of the City of Yarra. For more information, head to 3cr.org.au forward slash beyond the bars. We hope you've learnt something by listening to 20 Years on the Inside and that it's given you some insight into the prison system and the experiences of people on the inside. The series was produced in solidarity with black, indigenous and people of colour in prisons everywhere around the world. United, we stand stronger. Together, we are undefeatable. Thanks to production team Arijna, Juliet Fox and Fiona Dean. I'm Vicky Roach. And I'm Kutcher Edwards. Toodaloo, folks.
Thank you.